0: Welcome to The Leaders Who Care, a podcast powered by Dynamis Group. We are here to give the stage and support to those committed to create a positive and lasting impact way beyond the profits and margins. The leaders of the world who care for others and serve a bigger purpose. Join us on the journey of creating a better, more caring world. And now to your host, Marian Temelkov.
1: Hello, everyone. Today uh, we have a very special guest joining us, and uh, as you know, we're on a mission to bring on the podcast some of the most caring leaders from every corner of the world. And today we have the honor to be joined by Ambassador Ray. Uh, let me introduce you briefly. Mr. Ray has served as a Premier of Ontario, he's Canada's most popular province, and he's been an interim leader of the Liberal Party of Canada and has been... Elected uh, to federal and provincial parliaments 11 times. Mr. Ray has also received numerous awards and honorary degrees from institutions in Canada and around the world, and he's highly respected Canadian politi- politician locally and globally. And due to the time limits, I'm naming just a few of his career milestones. Today, he serves as ambassador and a parliament representative of Canada to the United Nations in New York. Uh, I love the I love the mission, of course, and, and what you do. And Mr. Ray's notable Korean politics, along with his personal approach to leadership, have been his way of serving people and doing so with care. We see and recognize his true devotion and care for his country, its people, and beyond. And today, we're honored to welcome Ambassador Ray to our caring leadership, leader communities and the podcast. Thank you, Ambassador Ray, for making the time and joining us today. Good to be with you, Marion. Thank you
2: very much. Good to
1: good to share time with you. First of all, um, how are you today? I'm pretty good. Uh, I obviously
2: it's been a it's a very been a very busy and emotional time at the at the UN. Um, so uh, no rest for the wicked, as we say. But so it's been long hours. Um, but uh, health wise, I'm I'm feeling fine. I, I'm. Um, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be where I am. I'm enjoying this job. It's a difficult job, but it's one that I'm enjoying very much. And I feel very lucky to have been given the opportunity to, to, to keep going in a leadership role. I, I feel very, very, uh, very happy being able to do that.
1: Well, uh, I honestly honor the the resilience and what you do because you really need uh Need a lot of that in in what you do on a daily basis. And uh, Ambassador Ray, please take us back to the beginning of your of your journey as a leader. How did you decide and to to become a politician? How do you come to that really decision? But also, it's think, just a.
2: I think I don't think it's a kind of. I can't say there's one moment where I this this is you know I made a very conscious decision to do one thing or another. I think um looking back at my childhood <laughs> i i would i was uh a funny little boy i was lo- loved music i was uh, uh had lots of friends uh but i was also uh you know a reader and and uh and i i think i would have to say you know from a very young age i was interested in public affairs and politically what was going on I can remember uh, uh, when 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 I was in primary school in Washington D.C. because my my dad was uh, was at the Canadian Embassy there, and I was in uh, a public school called Horace Mann Public School. And in grade four, we would have you know everybody would have to get up and give a little presentation about you know the, what was the news of the day or what they were doing, and you know other kids would report on normal activities, and I I would I would give a, a report on you know the French. Algerian conflict, <laughs> and nobody could a nobody got on. He said, "What?" You know? And so people didn't know, like, what the heck is this all about? Um, and but I was just like that. I mean, that's just that's that's what that's that's what I did. Uh, and so, you know, very quickly after that, I mean, you know, class president or you know, various things like that, moving. And, and then my, the, the key moment I think in my life with the formative, really formative moment was when I went to an international school in Geneva because my dad moved on to be ambassador to the UN in Geneva and and that's really where I felt, I felt very much at home and and um, it, it, it was a wonderful experience being in an international school, being with kids from all over the world, uh, engaging with them and all kinds of activities. Student United Nations uh, fundraising for UNHCR, you know, doing all kinds of things, and I think most people if, if you asked any of my classmates, "Are you surprised that Bob's still going and is ambassador to the UN?" They say, "No, of course not. That's exactly what we thought he would do." Um, so, I think it was pretty early on, and—and and I'd have to say uh, that. I don't think I knew much about leadership at that time. I don't think I thought about leadership as a sort of thing apart from just being myself. And I think it took quite a while for me to understand and appreciate what I think is the most important thing about leadership, which is that it's actually not about you. It's not about the ego. Um, And I think that one of the, one of the things that, 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 many people in public life have to have to kind of come to grips with is that it's not about you and if you want to be really effective you you have to learn um, how to care about other people but also how to empower other people how to see yourself as more as a as a mentor and a coach and a encourager and a an advisor to other people as opposed to uh, somebody who's always got to have all the the halos and lights and everything flowing down on you as a, a way of being a leader. I, so I've, I, I would say that, that be, I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning. Um, I'm sure
1: I, we I, all I, did. We all do, and I'm that's sure why I want to encourage I, people. That I'm sure, I'm sure I did because I think a lot of I think in order to
2: be a good leader, you have to have some ego. You have to have enough ego, self confidence to push yourself forward. But if you have too much of it, then it gets in the way of everything else. And and I've seen that often. And I, I people I think would say to me, well, yeah, you 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 showed that sometimes too. And I and I would I would have to admit that. On reflection, that's true.
1: It is really um, good to hear because the, wh- when I speak to some of the um, politicians or see some of them, of course, is it's a difficult one because sometimes you see more of a career, and it's it's not a when you see it as a career, it's probably slightly different because if you really look at. U.N. politics to serve others through through the policies you make and, and really uh, making a positive difference to people's life. Of course, there's always controversy because whenever you have one policy, it may affect others. So you have to look at the greater good. And and, and Tris, really, I'm thinking, what makes, in, especially in your situation, you know, when you look at affecting millions of people, what makes one a caring leader? Um, and especially in the political sector. What qualities and trades are important from your personal experience? Well, I, I don't think of I don't think of what I
2: do as, as a career. I think of it as as a, as a vocation. Um, uh, which sound may sound corny. I mean people say, What are you talking about? I said, Well it, it is a bit of a calling, and I whenever I, I get asked by lots of younger people, um, of all ages, frankly, about what would i recommend how do how do i how should they get into politics and how should they do this or do that and my my advice is always the same it's to say you have to remember this one basic thing that if it's not about something bigger than you something you actually believe in then it's of no interest to anybody else but you Uh, and you will become a narcissistic leader you will be a, a leader that that ultimately it can be quite poisonous. I mean, I think we've all encountered narcissism in ourselves, and we've encountered it in other people. Uh, and whenever you find it, you have to root it out because it's it's a it's a big it's a pathology that is often associated with leadership, um, and it's one of the dark sides of leadership. I, I think that you have to yeah, therefore you have to always be testing yourself as a what what. What do I believe in more than more than about whether I get this job or that job? Um, I've I've had some good jobs and I haven't succeeded at getting other jobs. I I don't think that's frankly that important as much as it, it, my being consistently honest with myself and with others about what what I'm trying to accomplish, what we're all trying to accomplish in some in some team effort. So invariably it's about, uh, it's about team and it's about others and it's about understanding that a healthy, uh, a healthy project, a healthy positive leadership project of one kind or another really involves working with, uh, with other people. And it's not just about the I it's Not to make it too complicated, but, but the I is important because if you don't believe in yourself, then you're not gonna be able to convince anybody else about anything. So there is, there's always this element of ego. People say, you're putting yourself forward or you're pushing and you say, yeah, yeah I, it, it's right. It, you, you, that's part of what, is, what it's about. But it, it can't be the only thing um, because if it's the only thing, then as I say, it, it just, it, it turns, it gets wrong, it, it goes bad. And uh, I think it's really important to, to to remember that. So my advice to everybody is is tell me what you care about. Don't tell me about yourself. I mean, happy to hear where you went to school, what you did, but, but tell me what do you what do you really care about? And then at that point, you're really testing someone's authenticity. Are they being real? Is do they really care about this, or do they not care about it? Do they really care about anything? Um, and I think the capacity to care for others. The ability to love, the ability to show empathy, the ability to to be selfless when you need to be selfless, um, is really some of the most important human virtues. Um, Because without those virtues, uh, everything simply becomes a game of seeking power for its own sake, and then you inevitably abuse power for its own sake. You become corrupted by it. And it's interesting, as I get older, uh, I realize listening, hearing myself talk, I mean, I sound like a kind of (laughs) preacher of some kind Uh, and I'm not driven by any religious certainty or or, uh, of any kind, But but I do believe that it's really important to have strong values that you actually are prepared to apply to your own conduct and and to judge yourself by them when you've when you've clearly failed and i think that's something that's really, really difficult but important for us all to be able to do
1: well thank you for sharing that topic i i have um, a saying and when pride gets on the way or prideness is followed by destruction <laughs> so the moment you get uh I, then and someone said to me actually the the of course there's certain element of, of ego and and so forth but because if you don't have ego that means you're completely depressed and you have absolutely no uh confidence in in what you do or you're at a such a high level that you're absolutely uh, you know above everything that's happening which is very rare to see obviously in in, in effectiveness in in some shape or form so I think it's, it's very important but as you grow as you as you go higher I have my personal principle that the higher I personally go the more I should be on my knees because the winds will not catch you you will be strong I won't be honest to you personally what I what I work and I'm grateful for, for God's blessing and what He does but it's very important that we're here to serve and I love what you said. What do you care about? What do you set your heart on fire? And uh, that's such a great, uh, uh, a great question to ask anyone. That because that defines the moment of why do you want to go and do that. And if you don't have that why very cleared out for you, well, you you may be there for a very rough ride. And that's and and here you'll be probably more defending yourself. And it leads me to my next question, which let's talk about resilience. Um, Being in politics or or really politician encounters, some say is a very thankless job. And I speak to a lot of senior leaders and executives in business, especially because that's what I love, you know, impacting communities through business. And I ask them, you are such a fantastic leader. You know, care, build a global organization, and make a profound impact. Have you ever considered going into politics? And they said, absolutely no way. <laughs> and I said, why? <laughs> because you know, you can bring so much value. And 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 of course, it's not for everyone because it's how do you endure through that pressure, high expectations, judgment, criticism, but also that sometimes you wake up crazy hours and especially I can imagine like you mentioned this morning you you're waking up and so I'm just trying to think that it requires it requires quite a lot into because I can imagine constantly somebody has a knife at the you know behind your back and you gotta be very careful what you do where you do it and make sure that you really serve and make a difference. So that's just even having that pressure from mental you know point of view, how do you deal with that and how do you kind of be effective because you are for so many years and you have done some amazing things in your career
2: well i think resilience is a is a is a very very necessary quality there's no question about it i mean uh, the ability to uh, to believe enough in yourself that you can just pick yourself up again uh after you've been knocked down you've lost an election you've lost something something hasn't happened the way you wanted it to go you've suffered a setback in your, in your career, the the job path that you're on. Um, And I think that's really where it it comes down to the the key word for me is, is, um, well, I guess there's a few things, but one of them is perspective, mental perspective. Hmm. And I think it's, i very open with my uh, coworkers now uh, when I talk to them and say, look, i and I and from the moment I went through it 50 years ago 50 years ago I had I was going through a very ser- serious period of anxiety and depression in my in my life as a as a as a young very relatively young man in my early 20s and I um I was really in a in a valley I I, I couldn't work effectively I I couldn't relate to other people well I was uh you know I I kept a Kept a little notebook at the time, and and uh, the script in the notebook is very very tiny and scratchy, and uh, clearly my whole sort of sense of myself was very inward looking and and and, and not not happy. But would say not happy is not describe it because depression is not about happy or unhappy. It's at some other some other mode that you're in, and the anxiety was the anxiety attacks were 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 really strong. So how did I get out of that? Well, uh, with a lot of help, uh, frankly, with a lot of help from friends, with help from therapy and help from uh, family uh, and everybody being very understanding and, and really trying to help me uh, come to grips with the fact that I was being <coughs> really hard on myself and that it wasn't anybody else being hard on me. It wasn't like, you know, you're, you project onto your... Your, your parents, you, you project onto someone else. So you project onto a situation. And and one of the signs of mental illness, I think, is an inability to understand that actually this is about this is about you. This is, this is about me. Uh, it's not about some, what somebody else is doing to me. It's about what I'm doing to myself. And it takes a long time to get through that. And I was lucky enough to go through it and to go through it at a, at a young age. Um, and at an age when... I think it really strengthened me because uh, although coming out of it took time uh and i don't think you ever say i'm i'm quote cured you know because i think that's a, a, a wrong way of looking at it it's all about it being on a on a uh, sort of on a spectrum and you're moving you're moving out of a out of a bad zone into a better zone and then it gets better but if you you don't want it to go too crazy because then you flip right back again so I, I think that's helped me, and it may sound strange uh, to, to be as open about it, but I, I really think it's important for people who are in leadership positions to admit that frailty and, and failure uh, are part of, part of life, and therefore you, you have to be kind to yourself. Above all, you have to be kind to yourself about that experience and, and understand it better. And so that's for mental resilience. Um, and character resilience. Um, and also understanding that uh, virtue is 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 important uh, but it's also should never go to the point of expecting yourself to be perfect. And one of the things that I've noticed in people that I encourage or try to help or try to try to encourage them to do better at what they're doing or, to deal with some dysfunction that's happening in their life or in the office or something. One of the things that I notice a lot is perfection really is a monkey on our back. It's a really bad monkey because it drives us to, to want to do things and be things that we can't be. And it, it's not a, not a good thing. Being Somebody says I'm a perfectionist, I just say, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm worried. And now I'm really worried because it doesn't work. The other thing is humor. And I, I think, mm-hmm. and music. And um the ability to enjoy something else, the ability to play. Can you play at something? Can you play at, at whether it's golf or tennis or, or checkers or Wordle or whatever? Can you just play? Can you can you for a few moments of a day, just just be idle and have fun like a kid, like be a child? And, and that's really important. I, I think we very rarely do we give ourselves the opportunity. I mean, I know there are many people who say oh i like to play but the way they play is like not playing they're competitive they want to win they they throw their golf club they smash their tennis racket whatever i mean you sort of say that's not playing that's just that's that's just that's what you do all the all the all the time but joking laughing um, telling jokes listening to jokes watching things that make you laugh hugely important and i I've, I've had the luck of growing up in a very musical family my my father particularly was a was a wonderful musician and I associate so many good things of with, with my childhood with, with uh, singing and, and listening and playing songs, playing the piano and listening to other music and dancing was, was, you know all that stuff. And and I still do. I still enjoy I still like to dance. I still like to listen to music and, and uh, get a lot of pleasure out of it. So I think those things all help build resilience. Plus staying in reasonable shape. I'm, you know, like everybody of my age, I'm a few pounds overweight, but uh, I try to staying healthy as, as as humanly possible without giving up too much too,
1: too many of the pleasures of life I love that we because it's first of April we're, we're planning to start with a joke so we can laugh a little bit you know <laughs> with uh, with what's going on and I, I really love what you said um whatever we do it's I always have two principles that I abide to when I encounter or have a conversation with well, try to do it with almost everyone, of course, not always easy, but because it depends on your mental state and so forth. But I always ask myself, What are the, the two things that I ask is, how what value did I add by having this conversation today with this person, this gentleman, or or, or lady? And then I ask, How did they make them feel about the interaction we had? And when you have those two, because it's it's two things is the feeling. It's important, let's face it, nobody wants to be miserable all the time. You know, If, as, as you said, listening to music or having a few jokes, it just opens up so much. But it's, it can be just about that either. It's uh, what value do you bring to the table and the equation? Um, and um, I think it's what you're saying is we all learn from our mistakes and, and uh, resilience. So thank you for sharing that situation back back in the days, how you... Went through it because a lot of people just see you and say, "Wow, he's done X, Y, and Z," but they don't necessarily know what goes beyond and what what are the hardships that you had to go through and uh, to get to where you are. And uh, what you're saying, of course, is, in fact, if anything, this is very healthy to have this crisis because that builds you up. the The most important is to make sure that you have a network or a way to get out of it i really uh I love that and and i always I want to talk about just addressing some of the people around the world that there are a lot of great people that are thinking do i want to get into politics I, i'm very excited about the future of politics but i think this is one of the areas that will be disrupted massively in the coming years um and here's what i think why you know it's, of course it requires a lot of experience no joke but I see all these influencers around the internet. They, some of them have a few hundred million followers. It probably won't be won't be that long before we see a, somebody in their 30s becoming a president of the United States or, or Canada. And just say, well, you know. So the question is whether they want it or not and what goes beyond it. But what would be your words to people that are thinking about going into it and, and genuinely want to serve and, and you know, make a positive impact well, yeah, did... it's not for the it's not
0: for
2: the uh, the, the weak of heart I mean it, it is it is challenging and it's become more challenging I think um, in many respects uh, because of the, the the technology and the media in which in which we function uh, it is uh, you, you you are going to get criticized not by a few people or a few hundred people or a few thousand people you're going to get criticized by millions of people. And you can very you can go very quickly from from being unknown to to be being notorious in a few seconds. Uh, one click, one click on a button, uh, and you've either said something or done something or somebody's seen you say or do something of which uh, people completely disapprove. And I I have to say I spent most of my life in politics in Canada, elected politics uh, before the internet or just. You know, the last little while, when I was in my last stint in federal politics in Canada, was obviously with. I had a Twitter account and all that stuff starting up again. So, but it was a new world, and now, of course, at the UN. It's it's part of it's part of how you have to communicate as a as a uh, as a. I believe as a diplomat, you can't you cannot refuse to engage on social media. I I accepted your invitation to to join this program because I think it's important that we be able to talk about these questions and and about leadership. Uh, However, having said all of that, I think that really good political leadership um, is essential. Leadership is an essential thing. Uh, It isn't just enough to, to take a poll or to uh, to add up the votes and say this is we're going to do this because everybody wants to do this and you could say well Yeah, but everybody could be wrong and everybody could be basing it on bad information and on misinformation and now we have to say on disinformation uh, because of the deliberate misuse and abuse of, of technology to spread lies and hatred and and things say things that are just just not true uh, and and that's, a, that's a challenge we face in today's world very, very acutely. I, I think disinformation and the systematic spreading of, of, of lies and, pro- and use of propaganda is one of the critical issues of our time. So if you don't have people who are brave enough to say, I'm going to take this on and I'm going to try to live my life in a way that is about facts and arguments and the case for the public and what is the public good, then you're you're abandoning the field to others. And it was a famous British conservative, two hundred years ago, Ed, Edmund Burke said, "I mean, all it takes for the triumph of evil is for good for good men, as he put it at that time, but good people to do nothing." Uh, and so, if we all sit back and say, "Well, you know, I, I I'm not sure I can do that," or I. It's too disruptive for me. It's not my life. I I, I want to stay. I want to do this job. I don't I don't want to put my head above. That's too bad because there are a lot of good people who don't go into politics because they say, oh, it's just so messy and difficult. But in reality, it's it's everything we do is messy. Uh, running a company is messy. Uh, running a business can be messy, um, and increasingly publicly difficult and challenging. So I, I don't I don't think politics is uniquely messy. But what I do think is it requires a certain kind of skill set that actually people should not make the mistake of thinking, oh, that's easy. I could do that. And you sort of say, no, it's not, <laughs> it's not that easy. Because I know a lot of people who've gone into politics late, like later when they're 50s or 60s saying, oh, I, I can do this. I've succeeded in a bunch of other things. There aren't that many people who really succeeded in business who actually end up doing well in politics because they don't necessarily understand all of the elements of how it works. There are many people who are very bright, intelligent academics or whatever, and they, they think they can do this because they sort of ha- think they have a, a, they are aware of the arguments, but politics is about emotion. It's not only about intellect, it's about character, it's about ability to lead, to be consistent, to be strong, to be clear uh, as best you can, and and to have an ability to be nimble, to pivot, and there are many people who go into politics with an ideology in their head or with a number of very fixed views and they come in thinking that their fixed views are going to win over everybody else it doesn't happen i mean i'm not going to mention any names but i've seen it <laughs> i've seen it up close and it doesn't work and and so you you have to say there's something to be said for somebody who's decided to not to be a celebrity necessarily not to be Hugely wealthy because you don't get wealthy in politics. You don't necessarily become a celebrity like somebody who chooses to Sell a product on uh, on the internet or something But you, you do know how government works and you do have a way of saying how can I persuade enough people? That this is the direction we need to shift in and there are some very gifted politicians who in my view retired too early and you know could, could have kept on going because they really had a very necessary gift and and uh, people said, "Oh well, he's you know he's past the age now; he should move on." And you look at him, and say, "I mean, there was a time, I think, in the 19th century, when political leaders just carried on." I mean, uh, in our in our country in Canada, most of the, the prime ministers, the early prime ministers, all died in office. They just they just stayed and 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 they just kept going because that's what they did. That was that was their vocation. That wasn't it wasn't a, wasn't a career. It was them. It was who they were
1: i love what you said a lot of gifted leaders that should have stayed in politics for a longer time and who are those figures or uh, the one or two leaders in politics that inspired you that are a role model for you
2: i, w- I wouldn't say a ro- i mean inspired me i mean i would say um, a number of people um i think I, as a kid, I was 12 years old when, when President Kennedy was elected in 1960. So he he was sort of, in a sense, my first political sort of hero in the sense of somebody that I, what I saw on a screen and, and listened to his speeches and 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 watched how he spoke and I and I think he's had a huge influence on on uh, on political style and also on on political communication. Uh, and uh, we now know more about him than perhaps we'd like to know <laughs> and and he realized how imperfect uh, he, he like all of us he, he really is uh, but I would still say that was somebody that you look at say, uh, yeah that uh, that's that defined sort of the, the politics of, of, uh, of, uh, of that time um, I learned over the years to really admire Angela Merkel watching her and I've never met her um, but I really think she's quite an extraordinary person and and gifted, um, driven by values, but also by a sense of practicality and really um, very compassionate and tough. I think she's made some mistakes and I would did some things I wouldn't have agreed with, and some things that she I think she probably now would say, yeah, might might have done it differently. But I, I, I really have a lot felt for a long time that she was. One of the truly outstanding leaders in the Western world at a time when you don't necessarily have that many people who are, who are truly um, outstanding and made a made a big uh, big difference and a big impact on, on people. Um, and certainly, she she still has a continuing role to play. I and mean, when, I, when I was talking about people leaving too early, she's an example of somebody who say, "Why would you go? I mean, you're <laughs> you're, you're you're the best at what you do." Um, And of course, popularity goes up and down and you understand people say, well, now, you know, enough already, I've served long enough, I have to, but I I hope that somebody, Angela Merkel, finds a role to play because I think she has a tremendously important role to play. And it would be regrettable if she felt, well, now I've done that, I know I have to do something else. Uh, Just retire and I'm not allowed to say anything because it might interfere with what other people are doing. And that, that to me is, you know, would not be good. So those are a couple of of, of people. I mean, obviously historical figures. I mean, I spent a long time studying and and the career of Winston Churchill, and I did a lot of things about Churchill that I completely disagree with. His whole views on imperialism and views on on the British Empire and a whole bunch of other issues, uh, domestic politics in the United Kingdom and so on. But at one critical moment in time, one critical moment in time in human history, he stood his ground and he he made an incredible difference in the, the life of uh, the life of the world, and I don't think the modern world would would be the same without his his leadership and his his determination. But as I say, it's, it's not about perfection. It's not about saying oh, I really just only admire this this person for uh, for what they are. And finally, and most important of all, I would say the leader that I think is for me has given me the most inspiration in my life. Uh, and for whom I would, I would cross, walk over coals is Nelson Mandela. Uh, I see in him such grace and such courage, such uh, dignity, uh, and the thing that above all stands out for me is his refusal to allow anger, and resentment, uh, and bitterness, to, uh, to turn him away from what he knew was the, the necessary path. I mean, think about it, a man who was in jail for 26 or seven years, got out when he was in his 70s, and really had been robbed of his of, of the, the whole middle part of his life, in terms of what he could have done as a political leader, and then is thrown onto the world stage and onto the stage of his country, uh, and he's not in the greatest of health or shape, um, and is and his knows what he has to do and does it and and then also knows that he has to hand it over to someone else because he's he's getting older and he's got you know, he's, he can't he can't carry on indefinitely but i think his his message to the world and his message of leadership has has just been profound and i i always people say what book should i read i said you have to read nelson mandela's autobiography you have to read that book because it tells you so much about his life and about about racism and about what what racism has done to the world and the impact that it's had on people, and also because he's such a powerful uh, moral presence, not by virtue of being perfect. I mean, uh, he, his life, was, I'm sure, personal life, I'm sure, was complicated, but but he he stood for something and he believed in it and he and he fought hard for it, and he he gave up many, many years of his life in in dedication to it. So I I think he's just an unusually um, powerful model for anybody who wants to think about what it's like. But then you say, well, then how could I be like that? And the answer is probably not in the way you think, but it's all about how do you behave in your life? How do you you deal with your life situations? Leadership is not something only about something that's out there. Uh, Leadership is, is in us. I mean, it's in all of us. Everybody can be a leader in something, whether it's in your family or your, your church or your, whatever, wherever you are, you always can, can play a leadership role. You don't have to assume that leadership. there's no cult of leadership. Leadership isn't something that only belongs to, to other people, but leadership is all about having a vision, having moral values, persuading people of the, the rightness of a, a certain course or cause of action developing followers, listening to other people, changing your mind, working with them, working forward, and and then executing, executing, getting it done. So all those things together make up leadership. But so it applies to everything we do in life, Uh, whether we're doing the laundry or anything else, it's just still there as a a quality. Um,
1: I I, I love, uh, you know, this is, first of all, thank you for giving me those examples. And I was just listening attentively because i love that man you know nelson mandela to me is a role model and and someone that uh, probably uh you, you know or for the audience that now while nelson Mandela was in prison they kept changing the guards every three months or so because the the guards were starting to like him so much that they were afraid that they might let him go so it was it, it, it was that powerful this man and and uh, uh it's just the grace the the ability to serve others and he, he he made a choice either I'll die here and and people will rise after me because they've seen what I've done or I'll get out of here and I better be prepared and he kept planning for that time in prison and he did it for good purpose um and it's it's phenomenal that very different styles I honor a lot of the what Churchill did Angel Merkel, of course I we she's still amongst us and we need her to do a lot more hopefully she will uh Churchill I remember some of the key moments from what I've read about him is he kept like on a 24 7 and he kept sleeping like every 15 uh, minutes or so because it's a war <laughs> so it's like a continuous and he had an amazing resilience but and he knew he wasn't the best man to post-war but he was the best man for the job probably during the war time and i just really uh, thank you for sharing those examples of uh, of great leadership in, in politics and that shaped the world uh, when we needed them and uh, it comes me to my next question which is about balance how do you balance <laughs> professional with personal life because uh, to me when we finish work and i'm still to get there but i i want to do much better when we go home we should serve this is the best if it's in business the best client the most important client is your family <laughs> in politics these are your election they elect you you know they empower you so so how can we serve our family and, and the hard hard work it's prof- how do you balance professional and personal life
2: well it's hard I, I mean i think the first thing you have to admit is that it's hard i mean because by definition, if you're in, if you're in a, you're, 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 you feel called to, to be in political leadership, you, you, that in a sense, sets you apart a little bit. Um, and so I I think it's a challenge, because you have to also realize that, that, that it's not all you are, and, it's, and it, it, you're also a human being, and you have people that I have people that I love very much, and that I care for and, and are more important to me than than anything. Um, and so you have to find ways <laughs> to show that, and you also have to find ways to, to 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 share normal times with people, which I do. I have very good friends. I have friends that I've had since, since I was a child. Um, my, my best friends today are the best friends that I had when I was five, six, seven years old. They still are. Um, and some people say that's unusual. I said, I don't know if it's unusual or not, but it's just true. And we've all gone on to do different things, and and we talk to each other, and send each other emails, and jokes, and and play games, play golf together, or whatever. And it's it's a nice feeling to have. So I I have a family life, and I have a we have a summer <coughs> cottage in Canada where we go, our whole family goes. It's a place of great emotion because members of the family have gone some have gone and died and left us and others have, are here and new families are growing so there's a whole group of cousins and an expanded family that are together that's a hugely important for me it's a huge source of sustenance for uh, for for me and i hope for them i hope they can get a sense of enjoyment out of it as as, as well um i'm lucky to have been married to the same person for 42 years and we are Always together and doing things together and learning from each other and going through many ups and downs in life physical, mental, emotional. And uh, I've been very lucky to have uh, had the benefit of that relationship. Um, and I know it's, it, it's, it, it's a gift. I mean, it, and it's largely my wife's, my wife's gift, thank goodness, to really uh, keep, keep that very much spirit very much alive in, in, in our marriage and in, in our time together.
1: First of all, I want to give children, honor to, to your wife. It, it, <laughs> I want to give honor to your wife, you know, for for really uh, <laughs> putting up with you through all those years. <laughs> you <Exactly. laughs>
2: but uh, and children <laughs> and grandchildren, and so that, that those things are the things that, that, that keep you going. I play sports. I like to read. I want. I watch. I watch movies. I I do all kinds of things like everybody does, and enjoy them. Um, but I, I do think it's a it's 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 a challenge to find the right balance, and and I think um, again I think having having suffered that period of anxiety, I think also having gone through a political defeat when I was in my early forties um, was good because it it forced me to recognize that uh, well there's other things you can do um, there are other jobs you can do on the on in your life of public service of some kind or other. And so you you think of your life as not as being this job or that particular moment, and understand that you're gonna have jobs and then you're gonna have a life. And as part of that life is obviously my, what I call my vocation, uh, which is um, working for the public good in some way. Um, and, and how that gets defined can be very broad. I mean, I sometimes I teach, sometimes I write, sometimes I speak. Sometimes I do different things. Sometimes I get paid for it. Sometimes I don't get paid for it. And as I get older, I get paid less. And that's, I mean, that's all these things are fine. But it's just about putting it in perspective. And also, I mean, this has been a fairly serious conversation, but not taking yourself too seriously. And luckily, in addition to the gift of music, I think my father also gave me the gift of humor. He was a very funny man. He was truly a funny man. And I, I think sometimes funny people uh, are underestimated because they think oh he's such a joker. But it wasn't he wasn't it wasn't that he was a joker. It's that he he needed that outlet in order to uh, to be able to put his life in perspective and and to give it some some meaning. Uh, and if he hadn't had that gift, I think he he would have he would have had emotionally had a much harder time. And I, I feel the same way that I need the humor and, and make, often directed at myself uh, to kind of put everything in in balance. Um, and, and if I didn't, if I didn't have that, I think it would be pretty, pretty, uh, pretty grim. But it's all good. It's all good.
1: We change come to comes when we when we are together, when we are more united and we have a lot of business leaders and entrepreneurs listening to the podcast and in our community um what would be your message to them what business can do uh, to improve that process when we do a positive change how can business and politics work hand in hand so we could unite well,
2: i think i think when the for me the thing about about people to remember about business is this is it, it like politics it's about people it only succeeds if people succeed and if people don't succeed it's not going to not going to work not going to be successful so that's why the things that matter in business are the same things that matter in politics and the same things can go wrong in both places. If people are honest, if people are trustworthy, if the products they make are good, if what they're selling is real, if what they're making is, is, is good and positive and, and serves a, a, a useful public purpose, great. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. Um, and, and so when people say to me, oh, business is bad. They just say, no, business is bad. Business, business is, what, what happens? Uh, any more than government is bad, no, government, it's, it's all about whether they're doing it right and how they're doing it and and how it works So it takes you back to the basic virtues. Are you honest? Are you making something that's worthwhile? Are you doing something that's worthwhile? Can you justify what you're doing? Say, yeah, this is in the public interest uh, Or this is in general interest. This is something that helps people And I think it's really important for us to continue to apply those tests to what we do um, and also just to break down the silos, there's too many silos between, between all of us th- doing what we do, between governments, different levels, city, province, national, international, and what people do to make a living, how they make a living, is with whatever they're selling, they're selling services, they're selling products, they're creating new apps, they're applying new forms of artificial intelligence, whatever they're doing, how does this work, how does it help, and explaining it to other people. The, the final thing, of course, is is communication. George Bernard Shaw said something really smart once. He said, the biggest mistake we make in communication is assuming that it's already happened. Most people don't know what you do. <laughs> they, they've <laughs> and so you have to tell them. And you have to tell them what you've done. And you have to tell them while you're doing it. And then you say, I've done it. And and that process of communication has to be constant. and Above all, it has to be honest. Uh, And as I said, I worry a lot about where things are not honest these days, and I think it's a a critical challenge.
1: I love it. And um, when I look at the future, and especially the future of leadership, how do you see the future uh, of leadership and what role care has to play in it?
2: Well, I think caring is is, um, really an extension of... The conversation that we've had because it's it's about worrying about consequences as opposed to listening to our impulses uh, there's a lot of examples i mean we are encouraged in today's world to be very impulsive uh, every every message coming at, at us drives us to give an instant instant answer you know sometimes it'll come up to your screen yes no agree just you know whatever you're sort of having to constantly respond and impulsive behavior is very dangerous because it it's 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 not thinking it's not reflective it's it's just so thinking about consequences and understanding the importance of consequences is is what mature leadership is all about that's what mature caring is all about Uh, caring about other people means caring about consequences for yourself and for others of whatever behavior you're engaged in. And and I think that's something that, that is about, it's about the past of leadership, the present of leadership and the future of leadership, but it's even more important now when we understand that the technology that surrounds us is a technology that leads to impulse. It's not a technology that leads to consequential thinking. And so caring is is a is a critical part of consequential thinking. You're thinking, you're, you're what well, your point uh, that you made, Marian, about you know, you're asking yourself the question, how is this person feeling about this conversation? How is this conversation adding to 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 life to this person's situation? That's an example of consequential thinking. That's an example of caring thinking. And I think it's it doesn't matter. Um, how technologies change over time, or the kind of world we're moving into, whatever it is, whether you're in politics or whether you're um, whether you're in, in, in any any part of life, thinking about things in those ways really matters. So when we look, for example, at you know current politics, the politics of what's happening, wars that are taking place, we need to we need to get our leaders to say you've got to think about the consequences. You've got to think about uh, the caring. And that is a critical part of of being uh, a grown-up, and it's a critical part of providing caring leadership. And unfortunately, we don't see enough of it right now. So we we have to keep on working at it.
1: Thank you so much. To conclude, uh, really, that today's uh, episode has been fantastic to have you. Any final words to our audience and to the current leaders of today and and around the world? No, I think
2: think I'm good. my father used to say, you got to know when to get off the stage. Right.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Ambassador uh, Ray. It's been an honor to have you and uh, really taking the time to share those insights with our audience. Have a, a great, fantastic weekend. And you too. thank you, amazing, yeah. Thanks very much. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. Find out more about the Leaders Who Care across the main social media channels and help us spread the care culture in your own community, first by taking care of yourself and then of others around you. It all starts with one person, one act of kindness. What is one thing you can do today to make your environment better? Stay inspired and stay caring. See you next time.